Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Leadership, a podcast for leaders everywhere doing their best to learn and lead in a rapidly changing world with your host, Helen Woodward. We're here to share leadership learning from everyday work and research, helping leaders and teams be their best. So wherever you are when you listen, I hope you find something to make you smile, a new insight and a question to think about. Hello and welcome to this discussion. I've got a lovely guest with me today, Maria Brosnan. Hi, Helen, and hi, everybody. Now, you and I, you and I first met. It must be a couple of years ago, and it was around mm. the subject of well-being. So, I'm I'm interested to know what first got you interested in working with head teachers, and in particular, your work around heart health. Mm. I love working with head teachers because they have so much power. <laughs> Like they really are the agents for change. They set the weather in the school. Like they really have a huge amount of autonomy to make a big difference in schools. So that's why I like going straight to the top and working with head teachers. I I started this work around heart health during the pandemic, actually, because somebody contacted me. His name is Andy Mello. He was a former president of the NAHT. And he's now the the director of the National Wellbeing Partnership. And he contacted me because he was so worried about head teachers because there was so much pressure coming up from families and pupils. And, um, you know, so much they were looked to so much to resolve everything, but also a lot of pressure coming down from the department, from governors, from, you know, CEOs, if they were in a multi-academy trust. So lots of pressure and lots of stress you know, and they are two distinct things, but, but they were, they were feeling very stressed by the whole experience, by especially after a year in, he said, I'm really worried about their hearts because we know that there's a really strong link between chronic stress and heart health. It's the, it's one of the biggest indicators of coronary heart disease. So we know that around, around 84, 85% of head teachers are chronically stressed. About 79% of teachers are according to education support data. So we know that this is a big deal. Like this is not a trivial subject that we're talking about. And we know that the heart disease is the number one cause of death in this country and Mm -hmm. globally, especially premature death. So chronic stress is something that we really need to talk about in a way. And I hope in our discussion today, Helen, in a way that's quite empowering and hopeful because it doesn't have to be just the way it is in school. Okay. Okay. So there's a first key message there, which I'm just going to pick up on again. It doesn't have to be this way. No. Doesn't have to be this way. Okay. So, and I noticed that you're talking about chronic stress as well. And and that's something we can unpack as well as we talk. But tell me, first of all, you've talked about some numbers and stats, which sound pretty alarming, actually. Um, But what what does your research show, Maria? Well, I guess the the best message is that it's possible to change. And and because my partner is Dr. Carla Stanton, so she's a GP and she specializes in something called heart rate variability. And for people who are not familiar with it, and I'm not sure, Helen, if you are, but let's do a little quick experiment together to bring it to life. So if I could ask you and and, and anybody watching, just to take your own pulse. So put your fingers on your, yeah, on your jugular, just or on the, on your wrist. Yeah. And just slow your breathing down a little bit so take a breath in through your nose and out through your nose and just make the breath nice and balanced as it's going in and out and just see if you can feel a difference between the in-breath and the out-breath are you feeling a different in this a difference in the speed yes i am i'm feeling that as i inhale it it speeds up slightly 
And as I exhale, and actually if I exhale really carefully and slowly, I can really bring it down. Exactly, exactly. And I hope everybody's able to experience that. Sometimes it's not so noticeable, but this is known as heart rate variability, the the amount that it speeds up and slows down with every single breath you take. And this is the key indicator of the health of your heart. So low heart rate variability, if there's not very much difference in that, is an indication that the system, that your heart, that your overall autonomic nervous system has been um, under stress for too long. And I'd like to pick up just that, that the difference between chronic stress and acute stress. Chronic stress, like any chronic condition, is something that's long-lasting, that it's ongoing, whereas acute stress is what our stress system was developed for, was to get us away from a predator or a threat in the environment. And anthropologists would say that it happened you know, four times, two to four times a week in response to a danger in our environment. And that's what acute stress is. It helps us get away from the tiger and get up a tree or wherever we need to go to get away from it, right? So that's what the stress response was designed for. When we use it all the time, day in, day out, it's like we've turned on the on switch, but we can't turn it off. We don't know how to skillfully turn it off. And that becomes chronic stress, long-lasting, sustained stress. And so that's the difference between those two terms. Okay, so so acute stress responses are kind of our friends, really. They are like an ally. They look, Absolutely. They look after us and protect us. Yeah. That's how yeah. we survive. Whereas yeah. chronic stress, um, that's that's not sounding so good to me. But it's still our friends and and it's our body is trying its very best to get us out of danger, right? It's the survival responses. But if the danger is coming through an email, right, if you can trigger the stress response by just seeing somebody's name come up on your email list, and we've all done that, I'm sure, or you can just hold your breath, you can can stop breathing because you get so, uh, it's so triggering. So interesting what our research showed. So we can see now that heart rate variability has, there's a big difference in them. And it's something that naturally declines as part of the aging process by two to 5% per year. But what our research showed is that we can turn that around and we can actually increase people's heart rate variability. Many of our heads doubled theirs. So rather than declining, it absolutely shot up, which is what we want to see because it indicates capacity in the system to be able to respond really intelligently and then to, to be able to settle down really quickly. Okay. So you're, you're talking about something which shifts from being, if, if you like, unse- unseen for us, kind of concealed for us. Yes. Um, and we bring it into our consciousness and it's, it, we can actually unconceal and we can make conscious decisions about some of these things. Beautifully put. Absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely okay. right. Okay. Because we, when we work with head teachers, we they get an app and a little sensor, and I can show you that later if we have time for that. But they can actually see what their heart is doing, what their heart rate is, what their heart rate variability, what's happening in their nervous system. And for many people, it's quite alarming because we get so used to how we feel don't we that this is just how i am as a leader or as a teacher you know i this is just how i feel but when you see it looking so dysregulated and your heart rate so high and um it's it's quite shocking to people yeah. but on the flip side to that with that self awareness then you can do something with your self regulation and and do something really powerful about it 
Okay, so really key messages here. You can do something about it. Yeah, um, such a theme. Yeah, such yeah. a theme in our work. Okay, okay. And we've, I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but this idea that, um, you know, I hear people say, I have anxiety or, you know, I, I suffer with stress. And actually, you it's not like having size six feet. You can take action about some of these things. Um, yes, and that is really the key message of, of our conversation today, Helen, that there is so much you can do to take care of your health and well-being that makes a meaningful difference. Mm. Mm. And I'm thinking as well about, you know, one of the, I guess one of the things for me when I'm working with people as a coach is, you know, we all have times in life which are very challenging and very difficult. Yeah. And one of the one of the differences and one one of the things I'm very conscious of working with people on is helping that person see themselves as somebody who is more resourceful and mm-hmm. more able to be at their most resourceful to manage whatever it is that's happening for them and yeah. making choices and seeing that they have choices and believing that they have choices. And if you like noticing how they are currently observing or thinking about that situation. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be a really big place of change for people. Absolutely. Okay. So supposing I'm a head teacher, I'm in a really stressful role. It's all going on at the moment. You know, we've had a disappointing offset uh, inspection. I've got a number of very challenging children's safeguarding cases going on. My mm-hmm. deputy has just gone off uh, long-term sick. You know, it's mm-hmm. all going on. Um mm-hmm. How can I start to take care of my heart better when I've got all these things going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I say when when we look at stress, there are three things we need in order for us to experience stress. Number one is a stressor, and you just outlined many of them and many very common ones. And that kind of stacking effect of all of those is really what is so difficult for people. The second one is our response to them is our reaction. So something that might be stressful for me might be nothing for you, Helen. It might not trigger anything in you. So it goes to show that there are no universal stressors. There can be a lot of pressure. And what you described is a lot of pressure, but it doesn't have to trigger our stress response. And so the third part of that is, so we have a stressor, we have our reaction to that, and whether we turn on the stress response or not, right? So the agency for us is in our self-awareness. Again, it comes back to that. So all of these things are happening. Okay. My deputy's off sick. I've got, we've just got a disappointing result, etc. All of these things are happening. So what do I do? What how do I intelligently respond to that? And the more you can do that, the better, you know, it's it's part of the role for being a head teacher. I often say it's an impossible role. You've been tasked with too much to do as a school leader. You can't do it all. Every day you need to make decisions about what you focus on, what you let go through to the net, what you what you deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an impossible role. But the fact that many of many heads that I work with are really doing well. They're, mm. um, it's, it's not to say that there's something wrong with you if you're not feeling you know, like you're doing well. Mm. But um, there is a lot you can do. To, and, and it often comes down to mindset and it comes down to your physiology, it comes down to your body. Okay. So, yeah. I know one job I had, I had him post it on my computer screen that used to say, what can only I do? Yes, Which exactly. meant, you know, what are the things that I, I, am, I absolutely have to do them? I'm the only person here that can do these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was one of my starting points, really. 
you know. So. That's so interesting because like that's often a piece of advice I give to people: only do what only you can do. Yes. Otherwise, delegate wisely to other people that can do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So the head teachers you're working with, Maria, can you tell us what kinds of changes they're actually making? What does this look like in practice? Mm. I think one one really powerful um, case study we did, and and it was with a with a head called Dom, and he won't mind me telling you this. He, when he joined the program, and we work in small groups, and so he came into the room, and he sat down and folded his arms, and and clearly did <laughs> was not happy to be there. And as we did introductions, he said, um, "Yeah, I don't want to be here. I was forced to be here. You know, the CEO told me to come." <laughs> Uh, so I don't really think that you can do anything to help me anyway, but I'm here. So I was like, okay, well, welcome. <laughs> and you're a grown-up, you know. If you don't want to be here, then then you leave. You're very welcome to leave. But I'd really love you to stay. Just stay for one session and see what happens. And so within a few minutes, he declared that he had suffered with depression for 10 years. Okay. And that's really difficult like really really difficult and so we talked through that and we talked through um you know a, a, what actually happens in the physiology of your body that expresses itself as depression as anxiety as all of these other things that we're so familiar with the feelings of them but we don't mm. know actually what's happening in our body to produce mm. those feelings and thoughts and um and so he did uh, four sessions together and at the end he came to the last session and he said you fixed me, Maria. And I said, that's not possible. Like that's I can't, only you can do that. But he was able to see his whole life, his whole body so differently that he was able to, he took on a new role. Shortly after we worked together, there was a big um combination of the infant school and the junior school, which he became the head teacher mm -hmm. that oversaw that. And so I've been in touch with him um, since then, and he's doing fine because he's able to manage himself so much better. And so yes. that's kind of a common theme, that people just feel that they have tools and they're able to manage themselves and how they feel mm -hmm. so much better. I mean, that's huge. That makes a huge yeah. difference to people's lives. Yeah, yeah it mm -hmm. really does. I'm just going to wave this book in front of the screen, which I've been reading recently, yeah. um, The Rag and Bone Shop. Um, and it's from the Yeats poem, actually, where he talks about the rag and bone shop of, of our hearts. Oh. It's, it's written by Veronica O'Keen, who is a, a psychologist, consultant psychologist. And it's the it was the most brilliant book to read to better understand what happens for us neurologically. Wow. When we go through kind of mental health crises. Mm. I found it, I, I mean, she writes very compassionately and she mm. writes about the people that she's worked with at the Maudsley. Um, and it, I found it fantastically eye-opening, really, to kind of have a better understanding of, yeah, how our brains work and how we function and what happens when they don't. Um, yeah. So a really, really interesting book to read, actually. Yeah. And one really important point you make there, Helen, is that we often treat our brains and our bodies or our minds and our bodies as if they're completely distinct <laughs> and we have mental health, physical health, emotional health, but they're all kind of just different parts of us. And my, my suggestion is that they're all completely interdependent. And what you do for your physical body, i.e. sleeping well, getting some exercise, taking care of your body, will have and does have uh, 
a massive impact on your mental, emotional, and dare I say, spiritual health. You know, Absolutely. how are you feeling about yourself and your life? What are you, yeah. Do you feel like you have a purpose and you're living your purpose? So they're all interdependent. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Maria, we've got a couple of minutes, literally. So please tell us how can people get in touch with you if they are interested to join one of your groups or just to find out more? Where can they get in touch with you? Thank you, Helen. Yeah, it's Pursuit Wellbeing. So it's um, Pursuit, in fact, Pursuit hyphen Wellbeing, either of them will work, but Pursuit hyphen Wellbeing.com will take you to our website. There's contact details on there. We do have regular free webinars and events for people to hear more about it. And we do have group coaching sessions that work really beautifully to help people understand and address any concerns they have about their health, especially right. the heart health. Right. Lovely. Mary, it's been brilliant to talk with you today. I'm always so interested in your work. And I think that the, the kind of quality of the work you're doing, the research evidence behind it, and hearing the, hearing a story from somebody who goes, wow, this has just changed my life. You know, that is brilliant. And, and oh, just yeah. if there's one message we can leave with at the end of this, I think it's actually you can do something about it if you're feeling really stressed you can make changes and you know please get in touch with maria because i know she'd love to help you do that okay yeah thank you hello maria thank you so much let's talk again soon thanks for listening to let's talk leadership for more head over to helenmgconsulting.com and find out about leadership programs and leadership coaching helping you and your team be the best version of yourselves